Moments of Encounter is a weekly live broadcast brought to you by Calvary We Revival Labels through God's servant Chidebele Odeze. The teachings are focused on building the church and raising men that will do exploits in this end time. You can connect live to Moments of Encounter every Tuesday by 6 p.m. West African time at www.mixlr.com forward slash Moments of Encounter. May you have a life-changing encounter as you listen. God bless you.
depend on you, Holy Ghost, tonight. Holy Ghost, we depend on you tonight. That you imprint again in our life the mark of the old rugged cross. Ah, when we talk about the cross, we talk about death. We talk about the death of the old man. We talk about the death of self, which has been the trouble in our relationship with God and man. We beg you tonight for mercy. We beg you tonight for deliverance. Let your word bring forth liberation, deliverance unto every one of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus, let me pray. You're welcome. We are moving on with the team, the Christian stewardship. We started looking at the stewardship of our relationship last week, and we saw that God has given us Himself and has given us the capacity to relate with him. By giving us his life, he created man with his life. So let us make man in our own image, after his likeness. Let's give man our own life, so that we can have someone we can relate with on the earth, we can talk with we can equip him by that relationship with the capacity to dominate and rule over the creatures on the earth. Extending our dominion, government, and kingdom on the earth. So that as our will is done in heaven, so shall it be done on earth. God equipped Adam with that gift of relationship with him which we saw he lost, but Christ recovered it for us. Again, today we are looking at the other dimension of that gift, which is God's gift of man to us. Gift of man that we can relate with, still geared towards fulfilling his purpose, his mandate for us, on the earth. When you read Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when God created Eve, he said, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now, before God began to say this, this man has been in communion with him, relating with him. And God said, it's not enough. What this man needed to fulfill my purpose for his life is not just my relationship with him. 
I should give him someone. I should create someone that have the same life also that he has in a human form like him so that he will be a help meet for him. He can help him. And so he went into the process of creating Eve and after he created Eve the Bible said he brought him. He brought her to he brought her unto the man. That's verse 22. Verse 23, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You know, the context at which we are looking at this today is not necessarily in the context of marriage. But the fact that God saw that Adam needed another human being to relate with. So he needed to give him someone. That is part of God's gift. God's equipping of man so that he will have what it takes to be able to fulfill his purpose on the earth. Without God creating if, Adam could not have been able to fulfill the purpose of God for his life. So we saw that God gives us men to relate with. It's a gift. He expects us to relate with them. And out of that relationship, we will receive the help that he has packaged in them. Eve came to Adam as a destiny helper. As someone prepared by God, equipped by God to help him in the fulfillment of destiny. Of course, in our short life on earth, as we relate with people, you notice that there are people that you will never meet in your life. You just heard that they lived and died. There are some that you will never even hear that they lived and died. But yet, they lived and died in your time. There are other ones that you may not be able to see them physically. You may see them on pictures, on televisions, and all of that. There are others you will see, but you will not be able to shake their hands or come close to them. There are others that you will now come close, come in contact with them. Now, generally speaking, Every relationship we have with people that brings us in contact with them is not ordinary. There must be something that God has planned to do, you know, in the life of this person you are meeting through you or in your life through the person. That's why those who have this understanding, this wisdom, they watch out to find out this contact that God is bringing me into with this person, which he never brought me into with the other person, what is it that he wants to achieve? Does he want to use me to, as a destiny helper to help him or her? Or does he want me want to get help from him or her? 
And most cases, because believers are not conscious of this, the devil takes advantage of that and achieves his own purpose in that. But that's very, very general. In the example of Jesus, who is the last Adam, the first Adam was the one that failed. He came to, you know, restore what was lost. We saw that he understood properly that God has given him men as a gift. And so he knew that apart from the general relationship he is having with people, there are specific men that God has given to him. So you, you see him talk about it in several places. But the first um, place I want us to see with respect to that is John chapter 2, verse 12. What happened there was in Cana of Galilee, he traveled for a wedding, and after the wedding, they came back to their place. I wanted to see the way the Bible reported their return to Capernaum where they live, where they have their family house. He said, after this, he went down to Capernaum. He, comma, I'm reading Old King James, and his mother, comma, and his brethren, comma, and his disciples. And they continued there not many days. Just look at that verse carefully. You will see Jesus, his family, and his disciples. Jesus, his family, and his disciples. And, of course, the way God gave Adam, Eve, as a destiny helper, is the way God gave Jesus. This, his family, and his disciples as destiny helpers. So when he began to talk about them in John 17, I wanted to see something, let's establish something there before we come back. In John 17, he was saying something that is very serious when he was praying there. Verse 1, he said, This word spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. Then verse 2 says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh. That power is authority. If you read it with NIV or New King James, you have given him authority over all flesh. Why? So that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Look at it. Jesus was given authority over all flesh so that he will give eternal life to as many as God has given him. Why not to all? Are you getting what I'm saying? And then when he began to go down, he said so many things about those that he has given to him. Look at verse 6. He said, I have manifested your name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. 
verse 7. Okay, verse 8 says, For I have given unto them the words which thou givest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came from you. Now, verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. I pray for them which thou hast given me. For they are dying. Verse 12, he said, Why I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou givest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost. What we are saying is this. There are two special relationships that, you know, God has given to Jesus. One is the relationship that, you know, brought him into this world. Of course, he was born by Virgin Mary, Joseph, and then he has brothers and sisters. That relationship, those people around him, they were given to him by God. And you will soon discover that he did his best, even at the point of death, to bring them, to bring eternal life to them. Because all of them, they all got eternal life. He said, you have given him authority over all flesh so that he will give eternal life to those that you have given to him. So when we are talking about the stewardship of our human relationship, we are supposed to be relating with all men. Well, fine. But the context of that discussion is that there are people God has given to us, specially, that are specially, you know, planned that they will help us in fulfilling the purpose of God for our life. We are supposed to be faithful stewards of such people. And from Jesus' example, we are seeing that they are you can classify them into two. Your family relationship and if you, if you I think I, we can call it your, your friends. Let me use that word friends because at a time he has to call the disciples friends. In John 15, verse 13 to 15, he said, I am no longer calling you, I, I'm calling you friends now because what I have received from the Father, I have shared unto you. Now, we, the way it applies to us is the same way it applies to Jesus, the same way it would have applied to Adam if he was faithful. Our family relationship was given to us by God for a purpose to help us in fulfilling the destiny, the purpose of God for our life is a special relationship. And then there are other men that God has specially given to us. Now, for us, it is not just the disciples that he has given to us, as in the case of Jesus. It is also the ministers, disciples, people that, of course, in the case of Jesus, John the Baptist was also a gift to him. I hope you know. Do you remember that John the Baptist was given 
just for the sake of Christ. John said that the reason why I was born and I came to be baptized is so that he will be made manifest to you. So the whole purpose of John coming before Jesus was just because of Jesus. So that Jesus will be brought to limelight through the ministry of John. So John, John the Baptist was a gift to Jesus. It was when Jesus submitted to the ministry, to the, you know, yes, ministry of John the Baptist that heaven opened. He was there for 30 years until he went down to Jordan. And after the baptism by John, as he was coming out of the water, heaven opened. God was waiting because God has brought John, kept John, gave John that kind of, you know, consecration, tell him you must not eat, you have to be praying. He was doing all of that, laboring that way so that Jesus will be made manifest. Are you getting it? So there are people God has given us, people like that. Sometimes you, you, you may call them disciples. You may call them discipleship fathers. You may call them spiritual fathers. You may, whatever you want to call them. But by one way or the other, he has brought them along our way. So that he will use them to bring us forth into, a, into his purpose for our life. And then, not only them, there are other people that he will also give us as disciples. Which, those people will be helping us and will be helping them. Adam will be helping Eve to fulfill the purpose of God for our life. Eve will be helping Adam. That's the way it is. So, we are talking about gift of men. Not just general relationship. You must be able to identify the men that God has given you. Like Jesus was talking here so that you will be able to relate well with them faithfully in order to be able so that you will be able to tap the you know help that god has embedded in them for your journey for your destiny for your for the fulfillment of your purpose in life i don't know whether you are getting me if you are getting me let me see your hand up you know I needed to explain that again and again because it is not something that many of us are aware of. We thought that, you know, we just have people around and then we are not careful in the way we relate with them. Sometimes we are not responsible enough, you know, to relate well with such people. And then we don't even know that God who gave them to us is watching the way we are relating with them. Now, when we are looking at our relationship with God last week, we saw that we cannot play with that relationship, you know, with God because it is a, it is a foundation, it is a bedrock for a successful relationship with our fellow men. We saw that. And without relating well with God and with man, we will not be able to fulfill our, uh, God's purpose for our life. Now, but I want us to note again, that one of the reasons why we must maintain very good relationship with men generally and then especially with those men that he has given us is that God is going to ask us questions about them. We are going to give account. In, in stewardship, there is always an accounting. I hope you have not forgotten. There is, there is always an accounting. Every gift we are we receive from god we are going to account on how we use it how we managed it as stewards i i get it you know cain 
killed Abel. The truth is that the reason why God gave Adam two boys, Cain and Abel, is so that as Cain and Abel are relating as brother and brother, they will help each other fulfill God's purpose for their life. But Cain was not aware of that. So out of envy, he killed Abel. So when God came around, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, he said to, he said, look, go to that verse, he said to uh, Cain, where, where is your brother, Abel? And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Take note of that question. Where is Abel, your brother? Is a question that the, 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 the owner of the, you know, the gift is asking the steward. I gave you this thing to manage. Where is it? Give account of it. It's an accounting question. Ken, give account of your, Abel, uh, your brother Abel. I gave you a brother. The name of that brother is Abel. Can you account for him? And so Ken say, I don't know. I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? That's ignorance. He didn't know that the reason why God gave him this brother is so that he will keep him. Jesus said, all the men that you have given to me, I have kept them. And none was lost except the son of perdition. I have kept and preserved my relationship with them. I have kept them the much I can from everything that could have destroyed them. Ken was not aware. He brought death to his brother, Abel. Jesus said, you have given me authority so that I will bring life, eternal life. But Ken was so unfaithful in his relationship with his brother that he brought death. Adam could have saved his wife Eve. Eve, when Eve brought that fruit to Adam, and Adam would ask her, where did you get this fruit? Is it from the tree that God said we should not eat? Ah, I'm not going to eat it though. God said we should not eat it. Do you know that if Adam has stood his ground, eh, without compromising to eat that fruit from Eve, he would have I don't know what would have happened, but I'm sure that he himself would have been safe, and God might, might have, you know, find a way of saving Eve. So, the first Adam brought death to the relationship. His ch a child again brought death. The second Adam, our Lord Jesus, the second man, brought life to as many that God has given to him. So, if you want to start, you know, defining faithfulness in, you know, human relationship. If you want to start defining it, you begin to talk about, you know, bringing life, God's life to the people that God has given to you as you are relating with them. That could be a definition of that. And in verse 10, God said, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying unto me from the ground. Do you know that the way God asks Ken this question, where is Abel, your brother? That's the way he's also asking us. I gave you a brother. 
you now, you have five. Are you sure that five of them are with me? God is asking. Or you are not aware that you are responsible to bring eternal life to them. Jesus said, you have given me authority over all flesh so that I will bring eternal life to as many that you have given to me. And he did practical things to bring that life to them. Eh? Our, our mother, mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters, husbands, wives, within the family cycle, everybody that you see there is a gift. The truth is that whether you know it or you don't know it, they have contributed. And if you will you know, do what you are supposed to do, they will still contribute to the fulfillment of God's purpose for your life. They are special gifts. They have made special contribution and they will yet contribute more if you will relate better with them. I notice that in God's gift of men to us, if we have the best relationship with them, we will tap the best help that God ordained for us in them. Who knows how much Abel would have helped Ken in the journey of life? Amen. Why do we need to be faithful in our relationship with men, the gifts that God has given to us? God values our human relationship so much, so high, that he will not accept our gifts, our sacrifices, our worship, when we are not in good relationship with them. In Matthew chapter 5, 23 verse 24, Jesus said, if you are offering your gift on the altar, and as you are before the altar, you remember that your brother has something against you. Not that you have something against your brother. Your brother has something against you. He said, don't offer that sacrifice. Because if you offer it, God will not accept it. Go and make peace first with your brother. And when you have made peace with your brother, you can now come and offer the sacrifice. That's when it is accepted. So, you can see that God is saying, even though you can you know, make sacrifice, you can speak in tongues, you can worship, you can do any kind of service, but how are you relating with the men I have given to you? Beginning from your family cycle to the men that I have given to you, whether as disciples or as disciples, in the fulfillment of my purpose for your life. How are you relating with them? How are you relating with them? First Peter chapter 3 verse 7 said that husbands should dwell with their wives according to knowledge. First Peter 3 7. Husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. That is to say, if a husband 
he is not in good terms with his wife. And he decides to go into prayers. What will happen to his prayers? His prayers will be hindered. The same thing with wife. If a wife is not in good terms with her husband, and she goes into prayers, her prayers will not be answered. God will not attend to you when you have not attended to the man he has given to you. Eh? He will not listen to you when you have refused to listen to the man that he has given to you. He will not have good relationship with you when you have not had good relationship with the man that he has given to you. Many of us are careless with our family members. We don't even have a, a burden and a passion for their salvation. Do you know that the reason why God make, made you a member of that family is so that everybody in that family will see light? Do you know that it's supposed to be a labor day and night before God? That's what it means to be responsible, to be faithful. It's a special relationship. These are people that he has given to you. They have helped you. Some of us, some of your brothers, some of your sisters, they are the one that carried you when you are small. Are they not part of your destiny? Are they not part of God's fulfillment of, your, of, of his purpose for your life? These men, these you know, people around us, look at Jesus. Eh? He did his best to ensure that his mother at the cross in John, John 19 verse 27 and 20, uh, 27 and 27. The mother was standing there. Eh? And he said to John, Son, see your mother. Mother, see your son. If you read the next thing that happened, he said, From that time on, John took Mary into his own home and began to disciple her. Even though why he was there, you know, there are series of reports that they did not fully believe in him. But at the point of the cross, something happened. They came to realize that this man is not just our brother, he is the son of God. And they believed. Jesus lived so well with them that they have. Do you know that there's a way you will handle your parents? You will never combat them. Eh? They can never repent as a result of your own salvation. That's the way you will relate with your brothers and sisters. They will never repent. They will reject your Jesus. And yet, God is, you know, expecting that through us, they will come to him. It's a trust. For God to trust us with his authority and greater responsibility in the building of his church and advancement of his kingdom, he must have seen our faithfulness in human relationship, the relationship he has given to us. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, he said that God is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3. God is the God of knowledge. By him actions are weighed. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. What's the meaning of that? That God has a weighing scale 
of weighing our actions. By him, actions are weighed. This is one of the verses that I am I'm afraid of. I fear most in the Bible. That any action you are taking in your relationship with your father, with your mother, with your brothers, with your sisters, with your disciples, with your disciples, are passing through a weighing scale. By the time you will cry and say, God, give me anointing, give me grace, answer my prayer, do this, do this for me. They say, let's check the balance scale. What is, what is his actions weighing on the relationship scale? Eh? By him, God is a God of knowledge. He knows everything. But that's not all. He has a weighing scale to weigh actions. The mother that gave birth to you for one month, two weeks, you have not spoken with her. You don't know how she is doing. God is weighing that action. Eh? Your brothers, your sisters, your disciples, your disciples, the, this relationship that God has given to you, that, are, that is a weighing scale, is using to weigh the actions you are taking with respect to them. By him, all actions are weighed. And most times, people wonder, why is it that I am trusting God for grace, for anointing, for this, for that, and it's not happening. Before God will release these things to you, he will weigh your faithfulness. He that is faithful in that which is least. Say, if a man cannot take care of his own household, how can he take care of the church of God? First Timothy 3, verse 4 and 5. If a man cannot take care of his own household, if a man cannot, you know, care for his family members, if a man cannot relate well with, you know, the, the, the few people that God has given you, how do you, you know, think that God will give you? You know, some of us, you have seen in your dream where you are preaching to thousands. Eh? Where you are preaching, in fact, some of us have seen endless crowds. You want to see the end of the crowd, you will not see. And you wake up. Some will dream that until they die. On the deathbed, they will see the dream. The reason why it will not come to pass is that before God will give you, you know, 20, He wants to see your faithfulness with four. Eh? Recently, I got a, a, a book. I said, let me compile the names of those that I have relationship with. And I was shocked. The level of, you know, relationship gap between me and some of them. In fact, that particular action taught me a lot of lessons. You you'll be expecting God to give you more people, but the ones he has given to you, how are you praying for them? Do you pray for your people? Do you, you know, care for them? He that is faithful in that which is least is considered faithful in that which is most. And mark you, 
That's the reason why you see your destiny. You see where God is taking you. You want to get there. It cannot be by anointing carrying you. You are not living in the air. You are living among men. Jesus lived among men. So we must be, you know, responsible. If we want God to use us to do great things among men, he will first of all watch and weigh our actions with the men, the one that is around us. How are we really relating with them? Are we relating with them according to, you know, his own prescription? Amen. Now, faithfulness in human relationship is a total dependence on the, the Lord's wisdom and guidance in all our relationship with men. Total dependence on the wisdom of God and His guidance in all our relationship with men. There are two things there. God's wisdom, not your wisdom. And then his guidance. Now, the principles of God's word, his wisdom, you can see that in the scriptures. We are not going to start going into details of everything God said about the relationship between a son and a father and all of that. But the truth is that you know, the wisdom of God is contained in his words. For example, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, do what? Obey your parents in the Lord. Then he came to verse 2, he said, Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. is a wisdom. It's an instruction coming from God. I noticed something that is a difference between verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1 is talking about obedience. Verse 2 is talking about honor. Eh? Look at it. As, as a child, children, children, obey your parents. In the Lord. I just want to take that as an example. You know, when you are still under your parents, let me, let me put it this way. If your parents are the one providing for you your food, your school fees, your clothing, everything, you are still a child under your parents. When it is now you that is now providing for your parents, giving them money, buying bread as you are coming back, and then, you know, it means that you have left children. You have entered into, you know, son. At the level of son, you, end, you move from obedience to honor. Are you getting that? Honorarium, that money you are giving them is called honorarium. As you are coming, you are honoring them. You know? But when you are still under them, God is not expecting you to disobey them. Except if they are asking you to go and worship idol, or to go and commit fornication, or do what is wrong outside in the Lord. 
But apart from going to commit sin, you are expected to obey them. Don't go. You are not supposed to go until they say go. God will be with you even if you refuse to go. Whether the meeting is a spiritual meeting or not, because you are under their authority. They are providing for you. God is expecting you to obey them. Are you getting it? That's it. If you, if you come out of their authority, that's when you can go. But as you are coming back, you come with a bread. You know, because you are now the one you know, giving them. Are you getting that? Now, of course, at that level, they are only giving you suggestions, not instruction anymore. They are advising you and all of that. Not to tell you not to go. They know. Even parents know. So, what we are saying is that, look, if you look at Jesus' example in this case, you remember that at the age of 12, he traveled with his parents to Jerusalem. And when they were looking for him, he said, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying. But he did what? He went back with them and was subject to them. The Bible says he was subject to them. He was obeying them. God is weighing that action. By him, actions are weighed. Are, are you getting that? Your relationship with your parents, when you are under them, and when you are now at the level of honoring them, if you are not doing it well, by him, actions are weighed. That's an example. So we said, the, the word of God contains wisdom on how we are to relate. For husbands, husbands love your wife as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 31 gave us a list of that. Verse 23 to 25 talked about wife. He said, wife, be, submit yourself, submit yourself to your husband in everything. In everything, submit. Submit. We saw submission last uh, last Monday, uh, last Tuesday. Submit. Hand over. It's a serious thing for somebody to submit himself to another person. Very serious. He said, without, you know, in everything. So that's God's wisdom. Of course, if you think that this is not the wisdom of God, how am I going to survive? How am I going to succeed if I submit everything? Then you want to tell God that my little wisdom is greater than your own. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 25, it says that the wisdom of God, is, the foolishness of God, not even the wisdom, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So if it seems foolish, just know that even that thing that is looking foolish to your eyes is wiser. It is wise, a wise thing for a child to obey his parents. Because there is a blessing that God gives as he weighs the action. So we cannot play with our you know, relationship. And we said it is total dependence. I'm coming to that. Because apart from the fact that this wisdom of God are you know, made clear, in the scriptures, we are, still uh, we are still expected to follow the guidance of the Spirit of God that indwells us. 
in our day-to-day relationship with our loved ones, the people that God has given to us. Following the leadings of the Spirit in our relationship implies that we will not follow our own desires, we will not follow our own feelings, we will not follow our own thoughts. Neither are we to be prejudged into doing anything either by suggestions coming from other people's desires, feelings, or thoughts. Rather, having denied ourselves, we should depend on the guidance of the Spirit. That's when you are going to be a faithful steward of your relationship with man. You must, of course, the word of God has made it clear. This is what we must do. For example, honor your father and your mother. Every, every, everyone that still has a father and a mother. Eh? Should know that this is God's wisdom. This is God's instruction. But when to honor your father? You know, what to, to do, how to do it. The way to do it will be by the guidance of the Holy Ghost. That's what we mean by total dependence on the Lord's wisdom and the guidance in all our relationship with men. In Galatians 6 verse 6, Galatians 6 verse 6, let's read that verse. There's a, a wisdom, there's an instruction there in relation, relationship with our you know, teachers and preachers and all of that. Galatians 6 verse 6. What did he say? Let him that is taught in the world communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Can I hear that from another version? If you are not holding the version I read, let me hear you. If you are being taught the Christian message, you should share all the good things you have with your teacher. That's an instruction. That's God's wisdom. That's the wisdom in this instruction. Now, I said and I keep saying that it is wrong for you to be attending a church from January to December and you have not for once put something in an envelope and give to your pastor as a gift. I'm not talking about offering and the tight card and all of that. No. I'm talking about appreciating personal appreciation to this your pastor or reverend or whoever it is that God has been using to help your life, teach you. We know that what people share with their pastors and their teachers and their preachers is problems and troubles, prayer points. Eh? And when the prayer is answered... They will share testimony, and that is all. Pastor, please pray for me. I'm I'm going for a job interview. And the pastor prayed, and the job, you got the job. The only thing the pastor knows about the, the job and you is the testimony that you got the job. Don't be so. That's the only thing he knows. 
So, when you have gone through the scriptures, we don't have time to start going through all the scriptures. It's, it's, when you, it's a practical way of being faithful stewards. You have to know the Lord's wisdom first in the scriptures. And they are all over the place. Dig them out. Study them. Then you now follow the Spirit to know when to give to your pastor. When to give to your disciple. These people that God is using, there are, there, there are things that must characterize your relationship with them. Praying for them and other things, giving to them, fasting for them. Your family, the same thing. Your parents, your brothers, your sisters. The disciples that you are discipling. These are special people around our life. God is weighing our actions. The way we are relating with them, the way we are praying for them, the way we are teaching them, the way we are trying to be faithful in our relationship with them, to know how he's going to keep trusting us and keep lifting us up. People normally look for, you know, breakthrough where there is no breakthrough. Little, little things God is expecting us to do, they are not doing it. So we said, it is not you following your own desire or following your own, you know, feeling or your thoughts. For instance, when caring for people, maybe by calling them on phone, writing text message or, you know, communication through social media, writing letters, visiting and all of that. It should not be a matter of our own desires or feelings or thinking. And it should not be as a result of the people's desires, feelings, and suggestions. Eh? Where they are telling you, oh, you have not visited me. Oh, you have not done this. No. No. It should be by the leading of the Spirit. I have said it again and again, that you can never, and no man can ever be a correct Christian who is not spiritual. If you are not spiritual, you will keep bringing death. Not life. So the people you are relating with. Because when you are supposed to, you know, pray for them, you'll be disturbing them with call. When the Spirit wants you to pray, you will be calling, thinking that you are helping, not knowing that you are bringing death. Without being spiritual, you can never be faithful in your stewardship, whether it is stewardship of, of your time or your body or even the relationship we are talking about now. And what does it mean to be spiritual? To learn to follow the leading of the Spirit. To learn to, you know, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. In other words, we should be ready to visit when we don't feel like visiting. Because you don't feel like visiting this person. But the Spirit of God is leading you, is saying you must visit. It's not about, I don't have time. You must have time because... If you, are, if you must be faithful in relating with these disciples that God has given to you, you don't say, eh, I, don't, I don't feel like traveling to visit them, to strengthen them, to talk to them. You must travel. It's not about your feeling anymore. It's not about your desire. Sometimes you say, I don't want to, I don't have any desire, but the Lord wants it. Sometimes you may want it, but He doesn't want it. So for you to be faithful, you must be spiritual enough to know what he wants and do it the way he wants it. We cannot follow our feelings. We cannot follow our desires. We cannot follow our thoughts. 
We cannot follow the suggestions that are coming from other people saying, hey, of all the things I did for you, you have never had time to do this for me. Eh? The person wanted it, but did God want it? The person wanted your visit, but is it time? The Spirit of God, is he saying it's time for you to visit? So we must be able to bring the balance. To be able to do what he wants us to do, the way he wants us to do it. And, you know, at the time he wants us to do it. What he wants us to do, the way he wants us to do it, and the time he wants us to do it. That is what will determine our faithfulness in our relationship with men, especially the men that he himself has what has given to us. Amen. Now let's conclude by looking at that John 17 in more details. You know, so that we can discover the principles and the practice of our Lord Jesus Christ in relating with the men that God has given to him. The practical things he did in that relationship and, you know, the principles that are guiding those practical things that he did. If you read Luke chapter 6 verse 12, you notice that before Jesus chose those people, he prayed so he was guided. They were given to him by God. And um, in John 17, he was praying. He said, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. That's talking about the relationship that Jesus has with his father. And we have said that if you don't have a good relationship with God, you don't hear from God, you are not close to God, most times when people don't hear from God is because they are not close to God. If you are close enough to me, you will hear me. But someone who is not close to me cannot hear me. Jesus said, The hour is come, glorify your son, that your son may also glorify thee. So that the glorification of the son is inside the glorification of the father. And the glorification of the father is inside it. So the two of them has become so united that when this person is being glorified, this person is also being what? very close relationship and that was how Jesus was able to relate with men there was a particular occasion when the mother brothers and sisters came and they were looking for him they say call him you know what he said he said I'm not going no. he was preaching somewhere in Matthew, uh, Mark, um, Matthew chapter 12 from verse 46 to 50 he was preaching somewhere and his mother brothers and sisters were outside looking for him and he said, I'm not going. Eh? I'm not going. For now, they can look for me tired. He was able to guide his relationship with them properly. In John 7, the brothers came to him and said, Go to Jer uh, Jerusalem and do these miracles. They came with suggestion. 
they came with feeling. They, they felt that this is what you should do. How can you be doing such kind of mighty works and you are in the village? Go to the capital so that people can know what you are doing, that a prophet has risen in Nazareth. Jesus said, my time has not come. Even the some of us that your brothers, sisters came and pushed you that way. Some of, us, some of us may start considering, especially when the push is, you know, much and strong enough. So, your, your connection with him, your relationship with him must be, you know, strong and settled if your relationship with men, you know, will be, you'll be faithful in you, to do what he wants you to do because it is as you relate with him, you'll be able to discover what he wants and be able to do that. Part of the things, part of the things I also needed, we also needed to touch is Jesus was a, a man. He was born a man, isn't it? But are there females that are his disciples that God also gave him, that helped him in the fulfillment of his ministry? When you read Luke chapter um, Luke chapter 8, verse 3, you will see such women. Luke chapter 8, verse 3. From verse 2. Okay, let, let's start from verse 1. He says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. That's the first set of people. Then look at number verse 2. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others. Many others, not few others. Did you see that? Did you see that? Many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Eh? He is not only the twelve that followed him everywhere. As he was going throughout the city and village, and all of that, there were also women that were following him from village to city, from city to village as he was preaching the gospel. Women was among the disciples. In the book of Acts, when the Bible talked about 120 disciples before Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, women, were they, were they not there? Women were there. Now, but how did Jesus relate with women? Did he relate with women being a man with the same level of closeness that he related with men? No. There is an instruction in the scripture with respect to that. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 says, Treat the elderly men as fathers, elderly women as what? Mothers. Then treat young men as brothers, and then young women as sisters with what? With all purity. With all purity. So, we also need to take note of that. That, you know, in being a faithful steward of our relationship, special relationship with the men God has given to us, whether sisters or brothers, but in the opposite sex, it requires that we are, we are supposed to be, you know, approaching that with purity 
Eh? Purity. Proverbs 22:28. Proverbs 22:28 said, "Remove not the ancient landmark which your fathers has set." Proverbs 22:28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers has set. There is ancient landmark that our fathers of faith has set in opposite sex relationship. I discovered that Jesus, our 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 the author and the finisher of our faith, our real father, in his relationship, he set a landmark that was a, a boundary. Eh? When he's to visit sisters, Mary, Martha, and Co. He will not go alone. He will go in the company of brothers. We notice that this, our generation, our own generation, have, in fact, some don't even know that there is ancient landmark. Some have removed it with impunity and with all boldness. And you know what happens? By the time you are doing what you are doing, you are creating in the mind of the unbelievers that all of us are the same. Because by the time you a single brother and a single sister visits you or you a single brother visits a single sister and both of you go, you know, you enter into the room and close the door. What will the unbelievers in the same yard say? Who are also doing the same? Eh? We know you are the president visiting a sister. You are the president of the fellowship visiting a sister in the fellowship. What will the unbelievers in the yard say about this, our Christianity? You will begin to introduce impurity in their own thinking. You are the object of that impure thought. They will start thinking. Eh? Do you know that it is not correct for you a single brother when you want to give gift to a single sister to just give gift to her directly some of us don't know that this is a landmark eh? it's a landmark that was set by our fathers this generation are not aware of it and by the time you start giving you, where the sister is in a need you give, today you give tomorrow you give Next tomorrow you give. If that sister is not a, 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 a tree, a wood, eh, she must have developed a special emotional affection for you over time. And the day both of you will commit fornication, it will be a surprise to you. That's, this is what has introduced a lot of sin among brethren. We were taught in the ancient pathway they taught us in those in, in those old days that when you want to give a gift to a sister go and give it to the leader tell the leader please help me give this gift to this sister don't tell her who gave it to her that's the old regret cross i don't think you like it again don't tell her who gave it to her this generation doesn't want to hear this kind of thing you know what they do? They don't just visit. They visit and sit down, lie down in the bed of a, you know. These are things that 
Jesus will never do. And before you know it, a relationship with a sister that is supposed to be a serious help to your destiny will turn to become a tool in the hand of the devil to destroy the same destiny. A sister that God must have given a burden to pray and intercede for you, you will end up sleeping, romancing her, and that will be the end of everything. And destinies will go unfulfilled. Because of carelessness. Look at Mary Magdalene. How she was following. How she continued. Look at Joanna. Look at Susanna. Look at these women in relationship with Jesus. Such carefulness to ensure that there is purity both in his own eyes and in the eyes of those who are watching. The people that enter into the same room with Jesus are the twelve. They sleep in the same room. There is no woman there. Today we see the different things happening among the so-called brethren. Go back to John 17. Verse 2 says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You have given him authority over all flesh. Please, brothers and sisters, where is this authority coming from? Go back to the relationship in verse 1. The glorification of the Son became the glorification of the Father. And the Father said, what? I give you all my authority. You know, we met that last, uh, last, uh, last week. That, you know, your relationship with God is the secret behind your authority with God and with men. But we have touched that before, but I want to still... I want us to still look at it again. That he should give. The reason why you gave him authority over all flesh is so that he will give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Anytime you are relating with any brother or any sister, whether by text message or by calling or by visit or by any kind of relationship, and there is no life of God moving from you, towards your father, your mother, your wife, your brothers, your sisters, you are not a faithful steward of that relationship. Eh? Do you know that the greatest test of your obedience to the Holy Spirit will come to you when you and your younger sister, I mean the one that, not the one that you, you are directly elder, elder to, the second one you had just a little misunderstanding with uh, him and he is the one that caused the problem and you are trying to correct him and he is abusing you and after the abusing the Holy Spirit will say go and apologize to, to him go and apologize to him younger brother and he's the one. You see, if you can pass that test, eh, you know, by him, actions are weighed. That's where you see that yourself is very strong. 
you want to do it yourself, you say, how can? If I do it now, next time he will be waiting for me to apologize again. Eh? Let me not set, don't set that precedent so self will be warning you. Satan will be putting his mouth too. But the Holy Ghost is saying, this is the light, this is the way I am going to penetrate and pierce the heart of this unbeliever. If you can apologize to this, your younger brother, the day I will draw his heart to God, I will use that as a tool. But our ego, our self, our pride will not allow us. Say, how can I do that? And we want to go far with God. When our actions are weighing negative, not even zero. By him, actions are weighed. You are giving him authority over all flesh. And the reason for that authority is so that he will give life. He will give life, not death. Adam brought death. Cain brought death. Eve brought death. Jesus brought life. How did he brought life? By being obedient to the Father. When the Father said, do this, he will go and do it. I want not to keep checking how we have brought death in our relationship with our wives, our husbands, our mother, our father, our brothers, our sisters. How our actions would has made them to become more hardened. Eh? That even when another person will come to preach to them, our action will be the thing that will be making them to feel that, okay, excuse me, I don't want to listen to your gospel. I have somebody that says born again like you. The kind of thing he did to me, I have not recovered from it. So I, please don't disturb me. My own brother says he's born again, but the way he's treating me, no, 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 no. He, you gave him authority so that he will bring life. Faithfulness in our relationship with men is when we are bringing eternal life. The focus is to bring life. The focus is that they will not be lost. We are going to take responsibility before God today and say, God, I take responsibility over my brother, Eber, over my mother, over my father, over my sisters, eh? over my children, over my discipleship father, my discipler. I will pray for them. I will, you know, preach to them, my disciples. I will do my best for them to have life. Because the more life comes from you towards them, the more your destiny, your, the purpose of God for your life is being fulfilled. Because when they are built... The help from them will comfort. When the disciples that God has given to you are built up in life, coming through you, they will all come like the mighty men of David. And some of them will be ready to die just to bring water for you to drink. Verse 4. Okay, verse 3 says, And this is life eternal. What is this eternal life that I want to bring to them? That they might know you the only true God. The knowledge of God. Your father, your mother, your brothers, these disciples, they are going to know God. 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. How did he finish the work? How did he glorify him? By bringing eternal life to those that he has given to him. Before we read the next verse, can you check when he made a statement in John chapter 6? Very powerful statement. I want us to check that. Verse 37 said, All that the Father has given to me shall come to me. All men that the Father has given to me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Why? Because I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Listen, you don't chase men away because you don't like their face. If the Father has given them to you, they will come. And when they come, you don't judge them by their educational level, or by their appearance, or by their, their outlook. That's your will. You say, I will in no wise cast them out. I will receive them. That's faithfulness. When the Father is directing them to you, channeling them to you, you don't reject them based on any ground because they are not coming to you on their own. It's the Father that is bringing them to you. Then look at verse 9. Let's read it together. I want to go. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. That of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. There are people that, listen, listen, I don't know whether you have got, have you gotten the message today? Have you gotten the message? There are a lot of human beings in the world. We have said it before. Some of them will live and die. You won't even know them. They won't know you. Are you getting it? Then there are people you will know. There are people you will come in contact with. But there are people that are given to you from your physical birth to your spiritual birth. Do you understand? Those people that are given to you, they are specially given to you by God. You are supposed to, you know, be a custodian, a steward of faithful relationship with them to bring God's life to them. Generally, as you go to work, you meet your colleagues in the office, you are to relate with them, give them life, your neighbors, you know, but take note, there are people specifically given to you. They will come to you. If you are living right. You don't need to cast them out or chase them away. You must receive them. And make sure that they are not lost. Go back to John 17. Verse 6. Said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. That's one of the you know, faithful actions that we must take towards this man that God has given to us. Manifesting the name of God unto them. Showing them how powerful the name of the Lord is. How holy the name of the Lord is. The Bible says, let every man that nameth the name of the Lord do what? Depart from iniquity. So when you are naming the name of the Lord and you are, you know, I remember one day my father said he's having a, 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 a kind of a pain in his hand, in his right part of his head, right part of his, you know. So, so as he was describing it, my mind was telling me that this is, you know, is it partial stroke or something like that coming towards this man. So when he finished, I said, no, it can't happen. I say, lay your hands on your head, let's, let's pray. 
and I prayed for him in the name of Jesus Christ. I commanded that thing to leave and stop. The following day when I called him, he said that he was so surprised that the moment I finished praying, everything left. What has been on his body for how many days? And he know it. This one is not as if he's in somebody's body. But he, was, he said he was looking for the thing. He didn't see it again. That's one way to manifest his name unto your brother that is not born again. Unto your sister. Unto your father. Unto, as they are seeing this manifestation, eh, it will be drawing them close. It will be giving them life. It will be showing them the difference between you know you and them. And you know, as they see God answer your prayer, they will keep you know knowing that that they need to come close to this your God because they need to have his life. Verse 8, I have given unto them the word which you have given to me. We must also learn to preach the word of God to them. First of all, by our actions, by our attitude towards them. We should learn to carry what borders them upon our head. Yes, many of us are so non-talent in this area of our life. We, are, we must take responsibility from, to, from today of this relationship that God will through us as we preach the word by our life and our action, our ways, they will be drawn to him. Look at verse 9. I pray for them. Jesus cannot say I pray for them when he's not praying for them. That's one thing we must do. I, I told us that I, I have to go get a list. I said, let me compile the name of disciples. I was surprised that there are people that you may even have forgotten that they are disciples. We must learn to pray for, pray for them, pray for disciples, pray whatever we are supposed to do as the Spirit leads us. That is what makes us faithful. We can't say that we have a disciple or we have a disciple, a, a disciple and we are not praying for them. I pray for them. We must pray for our parents, pray for our brothers, pray for our sisters, read prayers. I pray for them. Say, I, I'm not praying for the world, though. I am praying for the people that you have given me, for they are yours. Are you seeing something there? There's the, there's, the man is very serious, he's very specific. Say, I'm not praying for everybody. Eh? You may pray for everybody, though. But he said, I am praying for these particular people that you have given me. You need to sort them out. You need to identify them. Listen, if you say you are born again and for how many years your people are not yet disciples like you, something is wrong. It's either you are a carnal person. It's either you are not spiritual enough to know how the Holy Ghost wants you to relate with these people, minister the word of God, pray for them so that they can have life. So everything you are doing towards them is giving them death, 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 spiritual death. And they keep on, for how many years they never repented? Maybe your own emotion, your own feelings, eh? your own desires is what you allow to come. When they give you pledge or suggestion, you follow them. You can never be spiritual enough to say, no, this is not what, this thing you are suggesting for me to do, I won't do it. God is not asking me to do it. And time will prove that you are following God to them. And they will begin to get drawn to your God. 
But when you and them are the same, when they put pressure on you, when they just uh, suggest and push you, push you, you will fall. How can you convert them? They are kana, you are kana. They are not following the Holy Spirit in relating with you. You are not also following the Holy Spirit in relating with them. Who will convert each other? That's why they have not repented. I pray for them. Verse um, 12 said, okay, verse 11, he said, Now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thy own name those that you have given me. Keep them. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I kept them in your name. Parents, you are responsible to keeping your children in the name of God. Eh? You are stewards of these children's body and health. I come to realize that I said to God, Ah, these children will not suffer. When Jesus was physically with the disciples, how many of them got sick? How many of them went to hospital and Jesus came to uh, see them in the hospital bed, ward 5? bed number 20 eh? and Simon was breathing fast and then the doctor was uh, uh, Jesus got permission from the doctor to pray for Peter he said I kept, I kept them through your name our children are supposed to be kept preserved you don't allow Satan to bring his manipulations in the night you rise up to pray for them protect them. At the beginning of the month, you are on fast. You are praying and say, God, throughout this month, none of my children will fall sick. Throughout this week, you are, you are taking a position in the spirit to, to protect your family. Some of us, our father has died. Our mother has died. Not because it is time for them to die, but because you are not, you are not praying for them. You are not keeping them from attack. So when they are, they, they, they are to be attacked, nobody to stop the attackers in the spirit realm. Because every physical death happens in the spirit first. Some years ago, where I went to preach, I woke up, I saw myself, in the dream I saw myself holding my father and he was dying in my hand. When I woke up, I said, God, what is, what is happening? He said, go home straight and warn your father. The burial is about to attend tomorrow. If he tries it, he will not come back alive. They are in the uh, uh, burial ground. He will, he will be attacked. You know, this kind of thing, somebody will fall down and they are bringing water, that kind of thing. He said, that's what they plan to do to him there. And he has no strength to survive it. Go and warn him not to attend that burial. That is happening about how many years ago? Almost 10 years ago or more than 10 years ago. But within that period, till now, not up to 10 years, but around between 8 and 10. Within that time till now, there has been series of, you know now, series of cases. They can't happen. Because I say to God, this man is important to me. I want him to be alive and see what you want to make out of my life. I want him to witness it. And even as he is there, I, I still enjoy, enjoy, you see, when I call him, I say, Daddy International. 
international dad. You know, you just try to make him happy. Sometimes you just buy credit. Let him feel that he has a son. You ask me about it. You know, old men, they like stories. You ask me what happened in the village the other day. You say, hey, do you know that the other one happened? And you just be born in credit. Just to make him happy. But remember you do that as the spirit leads you before you enter into comedian uh, ministry. Amen. So, you know, we, we must be responsible to keep, protect our family members even if they are living in sin. Even if your brother is an occultic man, he's not supposed to die. Don't pray that he will die. Pray that he will repent. Yes, he can repent. If not, why not? Is there anything too difficult for God? Protect him. Preserve him. Cry to heaven. If your, your sister is a prostitute, God can answer your prayer and protect her from getting HIV if she repents. You know it happens. Yes, she will be committing immorality and God will, as you are praying for her, God will keep on protecting her until she repents. Keep showing her love. We must be responsible in our relationship because there is an accounting. If we are still worse, we must give account. Where is your brother Eber? Eh? Some of us, we have played with our relationship. You know, some of us, you know what's happened to us? Flesh, I've said it again and again. Flesh and self will not allow us to do well. You know you have not called your, your disciple for three months. And when the Spirit of God is saying, call him, you will see his name. You want to call him, something will tell you. Hmm. Hmm. You know, that's the flesh. Say, it has been long ago. You better just, just stay as you are. That, you know, sometimes when I call some disciples, I say, Happy New Year. That's when we're already in the middle of the year. And, you know, they say, ah, I've been thinking of calling you, but anytime I want to call you like this, I don't know. I, just, I feel somehow. Eh? You just see people that are in the flesh. Ask your neighbor, when will you come out of flesh? When will you be led by the Spirit? When will you deny yourself? That's your feeling. That thing that is making you to feel, hey, if I call this person now, how will he see it? How will he? When will you deny yourself? When will you learn to deny yourself? So that you will be able to do what you are supposed to do. When you are supposed to do it, as the Spirit is leading. Amen. Verse 14 says, I have given them thy word, and the word has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, that thou should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Kept crying to God for their sanctification. Verse 19, he said, And for their sakes I sanctify myself. That they also might be sanctified through your truth. 
through your truth. Then in verse 20, he says, I'm not praying for these people alone. I'm also praying for those that will believe on me through, your, through their word. He began to extend his prayer through, you know, for their children, children. For their marriage. I, I learned recently that even when your child is in the womb, you have to start praying for the child marriage. Eh? Praying for the child children. Because, you know, if anything happens at that point, you may have problems. Your days, your old age may be full of sorrow. May God forbid it in the name of Jesus. Verse 24. Father, I will that day also which thou hast given me. Are you seeing the prayer? Are you seeing the prayer? He is so particular. On these people that he has given him. You see, on the last day when, when it is time for accounting, eh, this thing will will become so clear to us. Because that is the day you know that there are people God has given you. If you don't know it now. Eh? I pray for them. I desire that they should be with me in my glory, where I am. This prayer was that they should make heaven. After they have you know, been in this world, after you have kept them in this world from the evil one, that they should be with me in glory. And behold by glory. Eh? So that my joy and their joy will be full. As I'm there and they are there. Verse 26. I have declared unto them thy name. And we declare it. That the love wherewith I have loved. You have loved me may be in them. And I in them. So in this chapter. We have seen both the principles. And the practical actions. That the Lord Jesus Christ took with respect to the people that God has given to him. So that, you know, through them, through them, of course, you know that by the time the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, they were 120. This number was 120. And by the coming of the Spirit, what Christ came to the world to do was accomplished. That was how he gave to us. Because he concentrated on the special people that God gave to him and you know was faithful to do what he's supposed to do. This evening, as we pray, I want you to you know look into your life, look into your life. One of the things we need to pray and keep praying is the issue of being spiritual. The Bible says that to be spiritually minded is life and peace, to be carnally minded is death, spiritual death, carnally minded, walking in the flesh, following the flesh. But when you follow the Spirit, He said it's life and peace. You will add life to people. You will add life to yourself. If we are to be faithful, we must be spiritual. We must bring everything we do, all our relationship, under the leadership, the guidance of the Spirit, day by day, time after time. As we follow the wisdom of God in the Word of God. As we follow the wisdom of God in the Word of God. The Word of God gives us wisdom but the Spirit of God gives us guidance according to the wisdom. Because some people will tell you that they are led by the Spirit and what they are doing is not in the Bible. Rise up and pray. First of all, confess. We have so many sins to confess tonight. Of how we have not done well in this area. Stewardship of our relationship. 
is the old rugged cross. The way of the cross, the way of Jesus. Can you allow the Holy Ghost to remind you things that has gone wrong, how you have brought death through quarreling, through fighting, through accusation, through, you know, pride, refusing to apologize, refusing to, you know, can you say to God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've not done well. Look at my relationship with my mother. Look at how I relate with my in-laws. Look at how I relate with my, you know, sisters. For a month, I have not spoken with them. I don't even take responsibility. Some of us, you say, but they are not calling me too. They are not caring for me too. No, you have to take responsibility. I will claim. Don't sing with me. Just pray and repent. them to the kingdom. Carnality. Following their own suggestion and their desire to their own detriment, to their own detriment and to your own detriment. attachment. 
carnality, even in giving gifts, helping people, has made them to become more carnal. Just that you helped a sister or a brother, it brought death, it brought sin, brought backsliding, brought fornication, brought romance. Your good thing, the good thing you have done, has resulted in evil. Eh? Because of carnality, can we repent of this of self or flesh? Even when the Spirit of God is telling you to apologize, you will feel like, why will I apologize? Am I the one at fault? Self and pride has killed our relationship and brought death. It's time to repent. We can't continue this way. Jesus said, as many that you have given to me have not lost one. Some of us, people have died in our family when, when they are not supposed to die. Because we are not watching over them. We are not keeping watch. Unnecessary sickness has come upon our brothers and sisters. Because we are not waging the war in the spirit. Jesus said, I have kept them by your name. I kept them through the power of your name. I took responsibility to pray for them. I gave them your word. I protected them in the spirit. I sanctified myself so that they would be sanctified in you. I separated myself from the uncommon so that from the common so that they can be also sanctified. Can you sanctify yourself so that your brothers in the flesh can be sanctified? Can you pray and say, God, sanctify me as I sanctify myself? Make me a spiritual woman, a spiritual man, so that my relationship will be guided by the Spirit. That is the only way to be faithful. That is the only way to be faithful stewards. Lebo shanda Lende lebo shando God is faithful. He will keep. He will preserve. He will protect. If we are watchful and doing what we are supposed to do. Pray that you will be spiritual. The greatest prayer tonight is that you will be spiritual. That you will be led by the Spirit. You will be guided by the Spirit in everything you do. By God, actions are weighed. Can you, can you see the, that the, the, your actions before now are weighing negative? Not even zero. Negative, scared. Your actions in that relationship are, are weighing zero. Negative. You have brought death to that brother. You have brought death to that sister. By insisting, by quarreling, by, you know, nagging. You are brought dead by refusing to apologize. By waiting for, oh my God, Holy Ghost help me. Oh my God, Holy Ghost help us. We can continue in this negative way in scare. By God, actions are waged. For him to entrust us 
with greater authority, with greater responsibility, we must be faithful in that which is least. We must be faithful in relating with men that he has given to us. Can you take pen and paper and write down the men that God has given you and say to God, none of these men shall be lost. I take responsibility over them. I will call them. I will care for them as you are leading me. I will visit as you lead me. I will preach. I will do something about my brother's children. I will do something. I won't leave them desolate. They must hear the gospel. I must draw close. It's not a matter of what I like or what I feel like doing. I go out of my feeling now. I must stop over and talk over with them. Lord, help me. It's time to be faithful. It's time to be faithful, to be trustworthy.
fleshly cared for them. When I'm not supposed to care for them, I've not followed the leading of your spirit. I've been so careless. I'm not meticulous. When I'm supposed to call after three bones, I still yielded to the flesh. Who, who was telling me, how can you call now? It has been so long, why don't you leave it? What will he say? How will he see it? Lord, these things are, are too much of me. My unfaithfulness are too much of me. Deliver me from unfaithfulness. Help me to, to, to deny myself. To deny my feelings. To deny my desires. To deny my emotions. To deny my thinking, my mindset. That I will not bow to the pressure and suggestions of others. But I will be totally yielded to your spirit. Following the leading of your spirit. Without fear or favor. Oh Lord Jesus, to be like you. To be like you, to be like you. Who is faithful in praying, giving life to as many that you have given to, to me. Lord, help me. Oh, to be like
over the men and women you are giving to me. I take responsibility of my ever. I take responsibility of my my ease. I take responsibility, oh God. I take responsibility of calling them, praying for them, interceding for them, protecting them. I take responsibility of preaching the word of God to them. I take responsibility of sending text to them when I'm supposed to. Whether I feel I feel like doing it or not. Whether I feel, oh my God, I take responsibility from today. Hey. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us. Help us. This world will not condemn us on the last day. This message will not condemn us on the last day. Rather, it will bring it will bring joy to us on that day. Amen. That you saw our weakness and corrected us and we took correction. Safe will not come back to, to deceive us. Amen. When you want us to apologize, he will tell us to not to apologize. It will not happen again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. And you begin to appreciate him for the revelation tonight, for the encounter tonight, for the visitation tonight. I'm never the same, and I will never be the same. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivallabels at gmail.com. Or call 080-6560-7999. You could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Way Revival Labels.